Let's read together from the Hutterberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52, page 563 of your book of praise. And lead us, what is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves you are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Will you therefore uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies, till we finally obtain the complete victory. How do you conclude your prayer? Uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all this we ask of you because as our king, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because not we, but your holy name should so receive all glory forever. What does the word amen mean? Amen means it is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, within Christian circles it is popular to write on the topic of spiritual warfare. Both fiction and nonfiction books about this topic abound. Think of authors like Frank Peretti, Randy Alcorn, and Neil Anderson. They have popularized the biblical truth that as Christians, we are involved in a spiritual battle, that there is a war going on, and that our souls are the battleground. As Reformed Christians, we should know this, for we confess it. And it seems that all too often we're blind to the fact that we're fighting a spiritual war against the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. When we think of warfare, we think of armies arrayed against each other. We think of one group of people fighting against another group. For example, the United States fighting against Afghanistan. But the Apostle Paul makes it clear that our battle is not against other people. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle that we're engaged in is a spiritual battle. Our weapons of war are not guns and airplanes and missiles. Instead, God gives us his word and the Holy Spirit and prayer. So he equips us to stand fast against the devil's relentless attacks to draw us away from the kingdom of God. This afternoon we deal with the sixth petition in the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. Christ teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. These words teach us how we need God's grace and spirit in order to be able to withstand the devil's attacks. They teach us to depend on our Savior for strength, to persevere in fighting the good fight. They teach us that our Father in heaven is king 
He's both able and willing to help us in our spiritual warfare. They assure us that through his power, he will preserve his children until the final day. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Christ teaches us to pray for strength to stand firm in our spiritual warfare. We pray acknowledging the seriousness of this battle, asking for strength in this battle, and assured of the outcome of this battle. Within the Christian church, it has been popularly assumed that evil spirits are only very occasionally encountered, and that there's no way that they could possibly affect believing Christians. Some people are totally, un totally unaware of the fact that a battle is being fought over their souls. They don't realize that one of our sworn enemies is the devil and a whole host of evil spirits. Somehow they've been blinded to this. In some ways, that's not surprising. We live in a natural world, and we are physical beings. The Western world puts much emphasis on what is material and often neglects the spiritual. Further, Satan and his evil spirits like to operate in the background. In 2 Corinthians 11, Verses 13 to 15, Paul warns against men who pretend to serve Christ but lead people away from him. He says, Such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Satan prefers, if we're unaware of the fact that he's at work in this world. Yet Satan and his evil spirits are real. Originally, they were created as God's angels, made to worship and to serve the Lord. Yet Satan rebelled against the Lord. Isaiah 14, 12 to 15 is a prophecy against Babylon because of the manner in which they have rebelled against the Lord. Many commentators interpret this passage as describing how Satan vowed to make himself like the Most High. Ultimately, he was the ungodly influence behind the Babylonian throne. He was proud. He wanted to be like God, having the power and the dominion that are reserved for God alone. Satan has at his disposal a very large number of fallen angels. Revelation 12, verse 4, indicates that one-third of the heavenly beings rebelled with Satan and followed him out of heaven. In commanding Peter to put away his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus spoke of his ability to call to his aid more than 12 legions of angels. The size of the heavenly host is referred to in Revelation 5, verse 11, as 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. What's clear from that is that God has a countless host of angels that heed his commands. If they represent the angels that were left after a third rebelled, then there are millions of fallen angels serving Satan in rebellion against God and his people. Revelation 12 speaks about how, because of Christ's victory over Satan, war broke out in heaven. 
Because Jesus triumphed over Satan with his death and resurrection, there was no longer a place for Satan and his evil spirits in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated. The result is they were kicked out of heaven, banned from the presence of the Lord. But where did they go? Revelation 12.9 says that they were thrown down to earth. Verse 12 warns, But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. In John 12.31, Jesus referred to Satan as the ruler of this world. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, Paul says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Satan's power in this world is real. One of his temptations to Jesus in the wilderness was to offer him the world on a plate. Luke 4 says, And the devil took Jesus and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. The amazing thing about this temptation was that Jesus did not deny that Satan had the right to make him this offer. Jesus recognized it was a genuine offer which Satan had the right to make, which he could have accepted. Satan was offering Jesus the chance to win back the world without going to the cross. The thing we need to understand, beloved, is that Satan is the prince of this age. He is the ruler over this dark world. That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Bible refers to Satan's fallen angels as evil spirits, as unclean spirits, and as demons. Demons are not just ideas or indefinable forces that operate within the mind of man. They are living, functioning, spiritual beings with a mind, personality, and will of their own. And they are dedicated to the service of Satan. We see this from how the Lord Jesus dealt with the evil spirits or demons that he cast out of people. Jesus never treated a demon as anything else than a living entity that was opposed to God and his people. Jesus was not surprised when a demon spoke to him through the lips of a man. Uh, Mark 1 verse 24 tells what an unclean spirit said to Jesus. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus was not taken aback by the knowledge and the intelligence with which this demon addressed him. Mark tells us that Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. In Matthew 12, Jesus said that when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. 
And it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Here Jesus indicates that the demon is alive. It has a will of its own, choosing where to live. It has intelligence, thinking that the place it occupied might still be vacant and worth going back to. And has wisdom to curry favor with other demonic powers, more wicked than itself, by introducing them to a new home. See, beloved, the goal and function of Satan and his evil spirits is to attack Christ's church, to try and draw God's people away from his service. Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan uses different means to hold people under his power and dominion. He has some well-tried and refined methods to try and lead God's people astray. In many countries of the world, Satan keeps people under his control through idolatry, witchcraft, and superstition. By using these means, he has made inroads into the Western world in recent times. You can't pick up a newspaper or watch TV without being exposed to horoscopes and psychics. We tend to view these things as rather harmless. But beware, these means are often used by Satan to attack and to enslave people. Occasionally, you hear about people worshipping Satan or being involved in some kind of satanic ritual. Halloween is a festival that promotes the occult, the kingdom of darkness. There are real spiritual forces of darkness involved behind the scenes. Satan has often attacked the church through false doctrine. He's encouraged many people to believe in the theory of evolution so they don't feel beholden to a creator God. He has waged a major campaign against marriage and the family, God's building blocks for any successful society. Satan's made it acceptable to have sex outside of marriage. He has many people fighting to promote a woman's right over her own body, even if it means killing the new life in her womb. He's helped institute no-fault divorce, so you can easily escape if you're dissatisfied with your marriage. Recently, he's been confusing many in our society with strange teachings about their sexual and gender identity. Satan often uses our own sinful flesh to attack us. He attacks us by influencing our minds. The reason Paul speaks about mind renewal in Romans 12, too, is because Satan so easily builds strongholds in our minds. He uses the music of our age to plant within us spirits of rebellion and lust and desire for domination and power. TV ads and programs teach us we can purchase happiness by buying the products displayed before our eyes. TV shows and movies normalize adultery, homosexuality, and drug abuse taking away many of the taboos that used to exist in our society. Satan uses our emotions, uses our hurt to make us bitter or angry. Cain's hurt that God did not accept his sacrifice quickly turned to jealousy and anger. 
God warned him, sin was crouching at the door. He should master it. Satan didn't. Instead, he murdered his brother. Satan uses our envy to cause us to covet or steal. Think of how Judas's desire for riches in his life led him to betray his master. John 12, 6 tells us he was a thief. He had the money box and he used to take what was in it. When it appeared that Jesus' kingdom was not of this world, Judas didn't want anything more to do with Jesus. He betrayed his master for 30 pieces of silver. Satan also uses our will. The Bible speaks about the spirit being willing, but the flesh being weak. Satan uses every trick he can to make our will, what we want to do, subject to the flesh, instead of the other way around. If we are subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ, if we're led by the Spirit of God, then we'll be in control of our fleshly desires. But so often our sinful desires lead us into sin. Often we do not crucify the flesh as we're called to do. The simple reason is is that at times Satan gets control of our desires. In certain areas of life, he can be our Lord and Master. Can you understand, beloved, the need to pray the sixth petition? Do you see why we ask our Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one? It's because there's a great battle going on in each of our lives, a spiritual battle, a battle in which Satan tries to take us, the children of God, away from our Heavenly Father. He is the serpent, the dragon, the prowling lion, the beast, the one who seeks to devour our souls. Without our Lord Jesus Christ and the power and might of his spirit, we would be lost. Yet Christ teaches us to call upon our Heavenly Father in prayer, for he both can and will help us in our spiritual warfare. Brings us to our second point, and we'll see that we pray asking for strength in this battle. The Lord Jesus taught us that in our spiritual battle, we can go to our Heavenly Father for help. The reason for this is, is that our Father is Almighty God. Even though Satan is the prince of this age, the ruler over this dark world, he's not Lord and King of the universe. Although Satan wanted to be like God, he is not God. Our Heavenly Father is the creator of the heavens and the earth, while Satan is but a created being. God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. Satan is limited in time and location. He can only be in one place at a time. God is all-knowing. Satan and his forces are limited in their knowledge. God is omnipotent. His power is unlimited. Satan's power is limited and restricted within the confines God has allowed. God is eternal. There's no beginning or end to God's kingdom. Satan's time is strictly limited. 
until the day when Jesus comes back and Satan and all his hosts are cast into the lake of fire. Jesus has taught us to pray to our Heavenly Father because he can help us. As God's children, redeemed by grace, we've been set free from the power of the devil. While it's true that Satan has dominion over this world, he does not have dominion over the children of God. It's through faith in Jesus Christ that Satan's rule over us is broken. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, Paul says that Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, beloved, through his death on the cross, Jesus has won the victory over Satan. Satan has been dealt a mortal blow from which he cannot recover. Jesus suffered through all the temptations Satan could throw his way. Never did he give in. He allowed himself to be offered as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be restored to the Father as his sons and daughters. Jesus arose from the dead and ascended into heaven. He rules as victorious king. Yes, at this moment, our Lord still permits Satan to wreak havoc and destruction on this earth. But Satan's time is limited, for Christ is coming back soon. Then Satan and all his hosts will be completely vanquished, and we as God's children will enter the joy of our Master. And in the meantime, beloved, Christ has taught us to pray the sixth petition. And we acknowledge that in ourselves, we're but weak creatures. We cannot stand in our own strength. Therefore, we pray that our Father will keep temptations from us. And we pray that when temptations come, God will deliver us from the power of the evil one. In our prayer, we ask our Father to uphold and strengthen us by the power of his Holy Spirit so that in our spiritual warfare we may not go down to defeat. It's not by our might or power that we stand strong. It's only by God's grace and spirit that we withstand the attacks of the evil one. That's why praying this petition is so important. Beloved, our Heavenly Father does answer our prayers. As children of God, Christ has freed us from the power of the evil one. Does that mean that we're completely free of our sworn enemies, the devil, this world, and our own sinful flesh? No. But God has promised to stand beside us and help us in our spiritual warfare. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul says that God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's an old Latin expression, ora e labora. It means pray and work. God calls us to use the means he has given to fight the spiritual war in which we're involved. 
In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, Paul teaches us that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have the power to divine, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Paul teaches us in Ephesians 6 to take up the whole armor of God, that we may withstand the attacks of the devil. John 8, 44 tells us, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. All his temptations are rooted in falsehood. That's why as Christians we need to gird our waists with truth. We're silly if we believe Satan's lies. That things in this world can provide us with true happiness. For apart from Jesus Christ, no one can enjoy real joy and peace. In this life, we can face all kinds of trials and disappointments. There's times when we even lose hope. Satan will do whatever he can to take our eyes away from our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we're called to take the shield of faith, with which we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It's only through trusting God that we can go on in our spiritual battle. Above all else, we need to hold fast the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit equips us to fight against Satan's attacks by arming us with God's Word. In the Old Covenant, Hosea cried out, My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. The same danger confronts us today. One of the main ways in which the Lord Jesus withstood Satan's temptations was by quoting the Bible back at him. It's through a knowledge of God's promises, through an understanding of his grace in Christ, that we're able to stand firm in our spiritual struggle. We need to know certain truths to withstand the attacks of the evil one. In Galatians 2 verse 20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Romans 12, verse 2, Paul teaches us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, good and acceptable and perfect. Philippians 4.13 states, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. James 4.7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yes, beloved, we need to pray and to work using the means that God has given us. That's how we stand firm in our spiritual battle. In our final point, we see that we pray assured of the outcome of this battle. In the doxology of the Lord's Prayer, we confess, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What this ending of the Lord's Prayer teaches us is that our Father has the power to grant us the things we ask of Him. Our Catechism explains that if we ask things of God, our Catechism explains that we ask things of God because as our king, he has power over all things. Our Father is both able and willing to give us all that is good. 
He will grant his children his grace and spirit to help us stand firm in our spiritual battle. Our Father will give us all we need to persevere in our faith until the final day. How and why is this possible? Because of the redeeming work of our Savior. With his victory, Christ has won the battle against the devil and his forces of evil. The kingdom and the power and the glory belong to Jesus Christ. As the angels sing in Revelation 5, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. As the heavenly multitude sings in Revelation 19, verse 1, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. We may be assured of the outcome of our spiritual warfare because Jesus Christ is our eternal Lord and King. Our Lord has made rich promises to assure us of our final victory. In John 10, 27-29, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Paul comforts us in Romans 8.35 with a message that no one or nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says that not even angels, nor rulers, nor powers will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ taught us to conclude our prayers with the word, Amen. It means it is true and certain teaches us that our Father has much more cer certainly heard our prayers than we feel in our heart that we desire this of Him. How wonderful it is to know we serve a God of mercy and grace. How great it is that we have a mediator who suffered temptation, who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Hebrews 14, 16 teaches us let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Yes, beloved, through God's grace and spirit, he will preserve his children through the midst of a great spiritual battle. Through prayer, our Father will give us all we need to stand firm in our faith that we may inherit eternal life. Therefore, let us fight the good fight of the faith and so lay hold of the eternal life that has been promised to us. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing together from hymn 53, Martin Luther's hymn, in which he teaches us about the spiritual battle we're involved in and our victory in Jesus Christ.